0: Welcome to the first episode of Talking It Out. I'm Brian Episode, and I'm here with my co-host Mike Johnson and we're excited to start this new journey with all of you beautiful people. What's up everybody? It's your
1: boy Mike Johnson. I'm excited to be here and start this year off with the new amazing podcast. Brian, let's get into it. We're talking it out. Today we had one of the dopest guests that we could possibly have. We had the one and only Emmanuel Acho.
0: That's your homie, right? That's my homie, man. I've known him for a while. You know, him, him, him and Rachel go back to the, the UT days. Definitely, sir. So. I love it, man. I just, I love the
1: Texas, the Texas folk that we have. <laughs> Being a Texan yeah,
0: myself. I mean,
1: like, the dude is just amazing. I mean, he's a former NFL linebacker, if you don't know, played for the Eagles. He's currently a sports analyst. He's a New York Times best-selling author, slash host of uncomfortable conversations. With the black man on YouTube that has garnered millions of views? The man is doing his thing,
0: and he is—he is absolutely killing it right now, man. And I mean, come on, Oprah co-signed him. I Oprah. mean, that's all—that's all you need to know right there. I mean, we talked with Emmanuel Acho for a no-holds-barred conversation on how 2020 affected not only our lives but our relationships with the people around us.
1: I love it because what we keep telling people is how real we're going to be. No conversation is untouchable. We touched on all of it. We touched on relationships with ourselves, with our friends, facts, our partners, very key careers. It was beautiful. And then what he has going on in the future. One of my favorite parts of today's show was when we did the rapid fire with Emmanuel, like, Will Emmanuel be the Bachelor next year?
0: Don't say you the gotta answer, bro. We got to we got to we got to hold out for the tea. I like the tea. Let's go,
1: Brian. You were even on his show, "Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man," with your wife Rachel. Like, how was that?
0: Rachel and I were on the show, uh, you know, a couple months back. We talked about, uh, of course, interracial couples and dating uh, since we are in an interracial uh, marriage, and it was just so insightful, man. We learned so much on that show. It was an amazing platform and. You know he's doing such great things to to get the word out and he just does it in such a an eloquent manner to educate people uh you know on race and about being black in this country and you know it's it's, i think it's really been eye-opening for a lot of people and i just learned so much on the show and you know i'm indebted to him and i think we learned so much on today's show that we when we interviewed him
1: definitely The, the guy is so charismatic he can talk about so many uncomfortable conversations but yet he doesn't make you feel uncomfortable.
0: That's the beauty that's, of who he is. That's the beauty of it. Like most people, they like shy away, but he's like very inviting. Like you, you know what? I don't mind talking about this subject, this uncomfortable subject with you, because like I said, he just has that uh, that gravity like that pulls you in a little bit.
1: Nah, definitely so. I love it, I feel like he's my homie. You know what Emmanuel taught me that people won't expect from this conversation? Is that it's okay to have a little slight flex. A little solo flex never hurt nobody. <laughs> Little subtle flex never hurt
0: he was he was flexing in the most humble manner not i know for sure, but <laughs> he the, the flex the flex was rather large all right mike let's give the people what they want let's stop the teasing join us right now in talking it out with emmanuel ocho this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching from the launcher online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1-per-month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Emmanuel Acho, welcome to the show, my brother. Thank you so much for joining. Of course, of course. I got to figure out, where do I fall amongst guests? Because I got to figure out where I fall in your life. You're number okay. one, baby. Number okay. one, always. Hey, I, just, I like how he starts <laughs> off. I gotta figure out where you I'm. Really mean, your like, life.
2: I gotta figure out where am I? Like was <laughs> I an afterthought? Was I like the first call? Like top of the movie? list,
0: baby.
1: Mr. Acho, you at the top. You at the top, baby. You at the top. <laughs> respect it. Respect it. <laughs> Talking about that, do you go by Emmanuel or do you go by Acho? Which one? I do you look. Care? I
2: really prefer Acho because in playing ball, your name, your last name's always on the back of the jersey. Yeah. So everybody would just call me Acho. Growing up, they would call me Manny. I hated that. I hated being called Manny. Oh, it was the worst, it was the worst, it was the worst.
1: So Acho is just short and sweet. So if I see you here in Austin, I might call you, hey, Manny.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I will ignore you. (laughs) I'm playing, man. Well, it's nice to meet you. All right, gentlemen, let's get down to it. I know we, I think we all can agree that 2020 was unprecedented for so many reasons, and it's only continuing now in 2021. But I want to just congratulate you, Acho, because you've created Definitely. something so positive in 2020. You partnered with Oprah Winfrey, the queen, and began your successful YouTube series, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, which, of course, Rachel and I were lucky enough to be guests on. And not only that, but you are now an accomplished author. New York so we wanted to just selling invite author. you. Yes, yes, best-selling author. Yeah, put some respect myself. on it,
2: Mike. Put some
1: respect <laughs> on it. I got you, man. I got you. I got so you.
0: <laughs> we just wanted to invite you on here today to learn a little bit more about your mission and also speak to topics that, frankly, are personal to us and we feel are relatable to our listeners.
2: Yeah, man. Uh, well, I was just going to chime in real quick and say, one, um thank you for for coming on the show obviously those that are listening and those that don't already know brian rachel integral parts of uncomfortable conversations with a black man but i'm sure we're gonna dive into all that but thank you big dog you know it
0: appreciate you man all right so with that being said i'm just gonna dive right in now the world saw a lot of social issues come to the forefront in 2020 as we all know the same year that you released uncomfortable conversations with a black man so For our listeners who may not be familiar with this project, can you just briefly give us a rundown of what uncomfortable conversations with a black man is and why you decided to start it?
2: Yeah, real quick. So after the murder of George Floyd, uh, May of 2020, so many people were grieving. I, I, like many of my black brothers and sisters were grieving. I didn't know what to do. Should I cry? Should I scream? Should I protest? Should I march? I, I didn't know what to do. And I realized that my voice is my sword hmm. like my voice is my manage my manner in which i will try to make change fellas i hate complaining about a problem if i'm not working towards a solution i'll That's look in the mirror like ah, acho you starting to get soft around the edges well i should go work out then and so when i realized in our society like man we still have so much racial tension i said i gotta figure out a solution and the solution in my mind was having conversations. Because I grew up in a primarily white high school where I heard, "Acho, you you don't even talk like you're black or you don't even dress like you're black or fellas, my favorite, Emmanuel, you're like an Oreo, black on the outside, white on the inside. And I said, man, I have to start having conversations to answer questions that I know my white brothers and sisters have. Questions like, wait, how come black people can say the N-word, but white people can't? Hey, what is this concept of white privilege? Okay, Acho, but what about black on black crime and violence in Chicago? That's killing more black people than white people are and officers are. Okay, Emmanuel, but explain to me why are black people rioting? And that was the first episode of Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, which ended up being viewed by 27 million people in about five days. And so in a two-minute synopsis, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man was my effort um, to help my white brothers and sisters have conversations that they desperately wanted to have or need to have, but maybe too afraid to have or don't have the Black friend in their life to have them with.
0: Love that. Amazing, love bro. That, Amazing. So <laughs> I actually want to tie we want what we want to do today is actually tie those uncomfortable conversations and how they can affect and strength strengthen excuse me and strengthen our relationships, whether it be with ourselves, our families, our friends, or even our our coworkers. So let's just start off with ourselves. We actually have some questions for you. So Mike, let's hear
1: I, it. Acho, first off, I love I can feel, even though we're on Zoom right now, I can feel your energy, I could feel your poise, I could feel the care that you have for this, so I truly appreciate you, definitely so. Uh, I do have a question for you in regards to relationship within ourselves, uh, because quite honestly, like you said, you've had a lot of questions and you wanted to know how to how to circumvent them and go about them. So Acho, let's just go on here and get right to us. I believe most of our actions that come against us or come to us are done on autopilot, autopilot shall I say, being defense mechanisms and or life lessons that we've quite honestly learned, the upbringing that we've had, our family and friends' influence, or even, quite honestly, when we turn on Twitter or the news, cultural and societal influence, right? So, like, the question for you, Acho, is what can our listeners, and what can we do in order to erase our unconscious bias and microaggressions that we have?
2: That's really good. That's really good. I'll say this. I said it to Oprah, and I will say it again. Number one, you have to acknowledge the existence of them. I use the acronym denial. Denial spelled D-E-N-I-A-L. Don't. Even know I am lying, right? Hmm. Because so many people don't even realize that that they're lying to themselves. Mike, they might be like, Emmanuel, what do you mean? I don't have bias. Like, Emmanuel, I don't even see color. Like, I mean, I treat everyone equally black people, white people, all alike. Emmanuel, it's not about skin, it's about sin, it's not about race, it's about grace. And you have to realize, like, wait a second, at birth, through living life, there is information that is downloaded into our brain just based upon what we see. Correct. Our eyes are constantly digesting and dissecting information. And so if you can learn something, you can also unlearn something. Facts. We have to realize within ourselves, okay, what have I learned that needs to be unlearned? For example, I'll, I'll talk of uh, religion because I grew up in the church. The the, the common depiction of the man in in, in which Christians call Jesus in America is uh, a a white guy with blonde hair. But geographically, that's impossible. Like, it's quite literally impossible just based upon the region in which the person in which uh, many people call Jesus would have existed. So if you can learn that, then you can unlearn that.
1: So, Acho, I'm I'm going to try you with this. So how does one unlearn that? How do we understand denial, right? So the individual that says, I'm not racist, I have black friends or like the other examples that you've given, right? If that individual doesn't truly know that they're in denial, how does how do they learn to undo it?
2: Great. Now, here's the issue. Here's a starting point. If they don't learn they're in denial, then they haven't even bought a ticket. My coach would always tell me you can't win the lotto unless you buy a ticket. So you can't win the lotto of change if you don't buy a ticket to change. And so, Mike, if someone doesn't realize that there's a problem, how the heck can you fix it? I'll give it to you like this. If I am suffering from a disease, just because I don't go to the doctor doesn't mean I'm no longer suffering from the disease. You see, you got to go to the doctor. The doctor will tell you the disease you're suffering from. They will prescribe you with medicine and then you can be healed. But to just act as though I don't have said disease, which can be cured with medicine, does not make you. Um, able to be healed from said disease. Racism is a disease. It's just a virus of the mind as opposed to being a virus of the body. COVID is a virus of the body. So if you're in denial about the existence of the virus in your mind, which is racism, then I don't propose nor submit that you can be um, taking steps towards remedying it. So,
1: So what do we do with those individuals? What do they do?
2: I think that we have to understand don't do nothing because you can't do everything. Let me elaborate on that, fellas. So many people say, well, some people don't even believe racism exists. So like, I'm just not even going to fight. Those individuals, you just got to give them time to grow. You feel me? Like, like they're in the embryonic stages of life. Of, of, of maturation as far as racial equality. Give them time to grow. I'm not going to expend so much of my energy on people in denial that I forsake those who actually want to change. You feel no, me? Definitely. Like Brian just alluded to the fact, and y'all, y'all spoke on it. By the grace of God, my book's been a New York Times bestseller, right? A hundred thousand copies have now been sold. That means roughly a hundred thousand people at least said, you know what? I'm willing to learn. I, I can't not write a book because of the ones in denial, because so many people are willing. So that's, that's how I approach the
0: situation. 100, so I want to transition now to relationships with friends. And I want to bring up the use of the N-word. Um, and I'd just like to paint a picture for you, Acho. So throughout my teenage years and into adulthood, growing up in the 305, Miami, I've heard Hispanic people, Latinos, using the N-word in groups amongst each other basically is like a term of endearment, right? When nobody in the group was black and I still hear it to this day. Now I've never felt comfortable using that word to be quite honest and I've chosen to use other words of endearment like bro and dog and dude or whatnot. But I've been around other Hispanic people who pretty much use it freely. So I mean in my belief, it shouldn't be used period. And if it is used, it should be reserved for black people to decide. So why do you think that so many Latinos think they have ownership over that word and just pretty much feel comfortable using it.
2: That's a packed question, which I'm going to try to unpack in a concise manner. Um, I don't think black, white, Hispanic people alike know the history of the N-word. Why do I not think that? Um, because I would consider myself a fairly educated individual and it wasn't until I really did a deep dive into texts from the late 1800s from abolitionists like Frederick Douglass, that I really felt the derogatory nature of the N-word. Now, everybody knows the N-word's a a bad word. Like everybody knows blackface is bad, but do we really know why? Like when you read texts from abolitionist Frederick Douglass in the late 1800s, he writes about how his master told him, reading would spoil an N-word because you were nothing more than a slave to your master. See, when you really hear the word in the context of how it was being used back then, then you would understand like, oh, wait a second, I white person or I Hispanic person probably shouldn't say that. Now, growing up, I heard Hispanic people say it, I heard brown people say it that weren't necessarily black. And I think it may come from a place of, well, look, we're oppressed too. So like, are we not kind of lumped into the fact of, hey, if we're being honest, generally speaking historically speaking white people don't really like us either Hmm. so that's kind of our thing as well Mm -hmm. um but i do think it's a word in which black people have now changed to a term of endearment i'll say this and i'll be done with the matter i've hung out with you and rachel several times y'all my people we go back years now i don't tell you what to call rachel and i don't tell rachel what to call you It may be babe, it may be baby, it may be sugar, it may be honey bun, I don't know. But I don't tell y'all what to call each other because y'all have a relationship. And based on that relationship that y'all share that I am not a part of or privy to, y'all dictate names for each other. In the same manner, black people have relationships based on their mutual and shared blackness that other people are not privy to. So I submit that when white people are like, wait, black person, you shouldn't use this, I wouldn't walk down the street and be like, Brian, you shouldn't call Rachel. Whatever. Who am I? That's y'all's relationship. Um, And I think it's really as simple as that.
1: Acho, you from Texas, right? Yes, sir. So you know Uh, (laughs) chameleoner.
2: I know of chameleon. Yeah, no,
1: no of of chameleoner. My apologies. Thank Mm -hmm. you for that. No of chameleoner. So I don't know if you remember this, but this is like 15 years ago. I'm from Dallas. Camillionaire was once rapping at one of his concerts and he was using the N-word because he was rapping along to his songs, right? And he got scared because 70% of listeners of rap are Caucasian, right? And they were just simply enjoying it and singing along to a song, saying the N-word as well. He got scared because of that, right? Because it was thousands of white people saying it. They weren't saying it derogatorily but they were just reciting his songs. So he vowed not to say it again because he knows that when he goes to concerts there'll be white people in the audience that simply just wanna quite honestly Recite the songs. What do you feel about that? It's not a term of Brian and Rachel talking to each other. They're just simply rapping along to a Takashi Six Nine song or the Baby song or whatever.
2: That's good. That's a really good question. To that, I would say this: I live a life in which I would rather be safe than sorry. So, to my white brothers and sisters, you don't know the visceral reaction that the black person you're with may have to that word. You don't know the visceral reaction that the white person you're with may have to that word. So I would just forsake saying it all together. I don't there really curse go. in my life. So when I rap songs, I don't, I, I skip by the curse words, there you go, not just like I skip by the curse words. It's not that difficult. I respect Chameleon Air, though, because if people know me in my intimate circles of my intimate black spaces, I use the N word freely as a term of endearment, but you ain't never gonna hear me say it publicly or around white people because I do not want to make that okay.
1: Yeah, You feel right. me? Right? did we not talk about that? Yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> like,
2: you, you, ne- you will never hear Emmanuel Lacho say it, ever, in life. But in my intimate spaces, with my black brothers and sisters, you hear me say it freely as a term of endearment. And And mind you, and we can't get into the details of this, and I don't wanna park here for long, but I'ma just put the car in neutral real quick you gotta remember black people have changed the term of the N word. Like there's a difference between saying the N word with a hard E-R and the N word with an A. I don't even type the N word with a hard E-R. So like, that's, and, that's and, I, and, and I don't even, black people have changed that term and that meaning. And we just all have to be cognizant of that.
0: Very good, man. Um, all right, so let's transition now to relationship with partners now. As, like, pretty much Rachel and I have had our share of talks about the upbringing of our future children, and we both agree that in the outside world, they're going to be viewed as black. So, for the couples out there that are in an interracial marriage, particularly the non black partner that pretty much never experienced what it is to be black in this country and are struggling on how to navigate that very important aspect of parenthood, what advice would you give? interracial couples out there that are struggling with that?
2: Um, the first thing I would, I would advise is for my white brothers and sisters in the interracial relationship to understand your child will be viewed as black, period. And so like, let's, let's not be in denial of that. You may view your child as mixed, you may view your child as beautiful and all those things are true, but they will be viewed as black and blackness comes with a different set of rules in America than whiteness. Yeah, specifically based upon the shade of blackness. Uh Oh, I ain't gonna go there now. But blackness comes with a different set of rules. (laughs) (laughs) Because you gotta understand, blackness comes with the rule, unwritten rule of, hey, if you're cold and you have your hood on, you might wanna take that hood off because you might be perceived as a threat. Like whiteness doesn't necessarily come with that unwritten rule. Blackness comes with that rule of, hey, if you're shopping in a store that's a little higher end, you might wanna go dressed in your nicer clothes because there will probably be an implicit bias that you don't have money. I go to a Rolex store. I make sure I wear my Rolex inside the Rolex store as opposed to wearing my Movado watch. A Movado watch is still expensive but the role that's employees are going to take me a little bit more seriously if they realize, oh, he can afford what's in here. Did like, you just have a slight fix? <laughs> look, look, can I keep it real with my, with my guy? Like,
0: what are we doing wrong? What are we doing wrong, Mike?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Blackness comes with a certain set of rules. And so I would advise my parents in these interracial relationships to understand that and also just understand, like, okay, let me learn about that which I don't know. Hmm. like my black brothers and sisters learn about the 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 aspects of whiteness and maybe the the ignorance of certain degrees of whiteness my white brothers and sisters learn about the aspects of blackness and the different pockets of blackness which you may have been ignorant to um that's the biggest advice
0: and what about like for example let's say the couple each parent they decide they wanna focus on educating the child on their own respective culture and basically leave the other culture to the other parents. So like, for example, for me, I'm gonna teach my child the Latin culture and Rachel's gonna teach our child the black culture. Is that a smart way to go about things in your opinion? I think that's
2: fair as long as Rachel's capable of teaching your child Latin culture and you're capable of teaching your child black culture. Like we intermingle, intertwine. Exactly, because the other kicker is, You don't really know something until you can teach someone
1: that thing. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, there you go. Like
2: my coach would always say, Hey, Acho, can you run this play? Yeah, coach, I can run this play. (laughs) Okay. Get up on the whiteboard and show me. Uh... See, cause you don't really know something until you can teach someone that thing. So Rachel, can you teach your child Latin culture? Cause if not, then do you really know it? Brian, can you teach your child black culture? because if not, do you really know it? My white brother and sister raising the mixed child, can you teach your child black culture to my black brother and sister? Can you teach your child about white history? Like that is the nucleus of it all. You don't really know something unless you can teach somebody that. Mm,
1: Facts. True enough, true enough. I'm gonna ask you a personal question as well, like uh, Brian, if I can. This is kind of related to to finances and career wise, right? me personally i come from a lower middle class like single black parent household i told you i'm from dallas grand prairie specifically and like to be quite honest before going on tv before going to the bachelorette i had been working extremely hard to climb the corporate ladder like i went to the military became a financial advisor i'm a flex was number one in financial advisor in the game okay i was okay. doing my thing as well right and per the research like Acho, per the research like working in white collar career fields in comparison to blue collar career fields there's less people of color we all know that so how do you, two-part question, how do you maintain your cultural identity and or how does your race, you and I being black, consider you culturally woke as you move up the financial ladder?
2: Let me answer part one. Um, I'm going to educate my, my white brothers and sisters listening, if they don't already know, on code switching. There we right? go. Right? <laughs> code switching. What code switching is, is it's kind of switching up your identity based on who you're around to make them feel more comfortable. <laughs> You yes. feel me? That's the most proper way I can say it. I do that when every day was,
0: with my patients. Yeah. Look
2: straight up. Yeah, absolutely. When, when I was on ESPN early on my last network, before I moved to Fox sports, I didn't have my hair high. I didn't have a subtle mohawk. I used to have my hair as high as Mike. I've since cut it down, but I didn't have it that high because I had to portray, you know, the, 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 the basic fade educated buttoned up black man. Yes. Yes. I am a proper black man. Mm -hmm. i have to portray that because that is what white people are most familiar with it makes them most comfortable now when i get behind closed doors your boy is still your boy you feel me like i'm gonna talk like this i'm gonna talk like that i'm gonna do what i do but when i am in front of certain individuals i will change the way in which i talk to make everyone feel more comfortable and so mike man i think for me and i think some not all black people agree with this but for me, I know climbing up that corporate ladder, sometimes you have to be a little bit of a chameleon. You have to sometimes make the decision makers a little bit more comfortable until mm-hmm. you become a decision maker. Now that right. I host my own show on Fox Sports One, Speak for Yourself, Correct. I do what I do.
1: You know what, well, some people I, call that that fu you money. You, <laughs> you made it to a point ha- to where I you- I haven't got there yet. Oh, I'm not saying got you got there.
2: there. Well on your way, bro, well yeah. on your way. I, I'm, yeah. I'm probably at like, um, will you pardon me money? Like you know, <laughs> telling them to get out my way, but I am like, I am not completely at F you money. I'm just like, um, excuse me money. Um, but it. that that's probably bro. Like that's my take on that. I know not all people agree because I've, I've had debates with my black people before of like, well, why do I need to change up who I need to be?
1: You know, and you know, that's my, that's my, I could rebuttal that point. Right. But in lieu of time, I want, I like that you said code switching because people need to know that as well. Right it's it's more of we're not being we're still who we are but we want to be we want others to feel comfortable right around which we
2: are. which yeah. if we get if we get if we can and i'm not going to stay here long but to your point the issue at hand in america is why does blackness make some people uncomfortable there we go that's, that's what, the what i was going to that's what, that's what i was going to yes. like the the biggest problem is we black people they should, we shouldn't have to code switch. Like why right. does a black man's hair in twists or in dreads make people uncomfortable? It wasn't Speech. until what last Speech. year that it was federally outlawed um, to, to, to tell black women how they can wear their hair.
1: It's in, uh, I'm in the military, I'm from the military, right? And I think in 2016 is when we abolished that actual black women can actually grow dreadlocks, you know, of course, if it's, you know, clean cut, right? Uh, so I agree with you completely on that piece.
0: All right, brother. So we can't end this conversation without, of course, talking about the queen, Oprah Winfrey. Can you just give us some insight to what she's like personally? And Flex mode. <laughs> we want to know what has she taught you that you may not have ever have known or thought about? Because I mean, you come from the world of the NFL. You've had coaches, mentors, motivators. You've heard your, you've heard many rah-rah speeches in your day. And I hear Oprah all the time on the YouTube inspirational videos that I watch. And she's an inspiration to so many people. Like, what has she taught you that maybe you never knew or thought about? I'll say
2: this, the thing that Oprah taught me that stood out the most, well, first off, Oprah's just, she's Oprah, Um, just amazing. Like, at this point in time, I I would consider her a friend. Um, She's someone I probably talk to, you know, twice a month, once a week, something along those lines, once a month if we're busy. Um, But here's what she taught me, fellas. First episode of Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, 27 million views. My mind is blown. How in the world does that happen? Second episode of Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, 12 million views. It's featuring Academy Award winner Matthew McConaughey. He calls me up. Acho, I want to come on the show. Third episode of Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, featuring HGTV stars Chip and Joanna Gaines, superstars. Emmanuel, we want to come on the show. At this point in time, I'm like, where do I go next, Mike? Where do I go next, Brian? Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, always Aldana. I don't know what to do. I got a call from Oprah and we had now partnered up and she said this, and I'm gonna say this slowly so y'all can catch it, especially with this podcast. She said, Emmanuel, do not make a show predicated upon having famous people because eventually you will run out of famous people. Mm. I said, ain't that a word? She (laughs) said, Emmanuel, don't make a show based upon having famous guests because eventually you're gonna run out of famous guests. I'm sitting here thinking, okay, after McConaughey, it's hard to go higher. I mean, he won won an Oscar. Okay, but there is Jennifer Aniston. Okay, there's Reese Witherspoon. And Oprah's like, no, 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 make a show based on quality content because people will love the content. So what did I do? Two episodes later, I found some regular people, regular, if you will, not on TV, and they were white raising black children. And that was that following episode. I took Oprah's advice and that episode probably resonated with the most people mm. because I had to remember if you make a show based upon famous people, what will happen when you run out of famous people? That's so um, advice, Oprah gave advice. me that bro. And that's advice that nobody else will give you because you know, your friends, Brian, your friends, might go, you have to book her. I mean, she starred in my favorite show. You have to book him. Like he's my celebrity crush, but yeah. Oprah's like, Nah, don't do all that. Like, find the core of the concept yes. and push that.
0: Absolutely. So let's wrap this up with some rapid fire. You ready?
2: Let's go. All right.
0: What is the one thing that you left behind in 2020?
2: Uh, I left behind bad workouts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we need to bring good workouts back.
1: I like it. I like it. I like it. All right, Acho. What is the one thing that you want people to take away from your bestseller book, uh, Uncomfortable Conversation with a Black Man? One thing?
2: That they can make a difference. So many people are like, oh, I can't really do anything, it's just my voice. I want everyone to know that if you impact your house and your house impacts the city and your city impacts the state and your state impacts the nation, your nation will impact the world, but it starts with your
0: house. Oh, man. Nice. All right. You were an Eagle. Which team do you despise the most? Giants, Cowboys, or Washington football team?
2: I'm gonna say the Giants right now. I really don't despise anybody, but Giants fans are so annoying right now. (laughs) More than the Cowboys fans?
1: Hey, I'm from
2: Dallas, bro. Brian, I'm gonna say, hold up. I'm
0: from Texas now. You
2: feel me? Like I'm born and raised in Dallas. So Uh, in my heart of hearts, your boy still rocks with the Cowboys.
0: I hear you, man. I'm just on some Stephen A, Stephen A. tip. There There we go, there we go. Who is your one?
1: If you could have. Another celebrity guest on uncomfortable conversation with a black man. Who would it be? Your dream guest.
2: Man, It's oh, a good question. Ah, oh, it's a good question. I would probably say. Ah, Dead or alive. Uh, that's that that that
1: <laughs> changes things. Yeah, um, I think that you know
2: what? I, I probably want to talk to Kaepernick. Mm. I would probably yep, want to yep, talk yep. to have like a real unfiltered real combo with Kaepernick um uh, yeah I'll That'd say Cap so I'll say cat.
0: Cap that would be so dope Thanks. all right man so the ladies want to know are you single and ready to mingle or are you happily taken we got we got to put that out there
2: <laughs> uh your boy is single um ready to mingle is always TBD because right now I'm ready to make this this bread ready to be locked it. in he's locked in um, But your boy is, is definitely single. LA during a pandemic is not the place to be.
1: Definitely so. I moved to Austin during a pandemic as well, so I feel you there. All right, with that being said, we come from The Bachelor. Since you are single, if you were to offer the position, would you become The Bachelor?
2: <laughs> I don't think I could do it. You know, I got asked to go on The Bachelorette twice. Um, 2017, and oh, and then most recently after Uncomfortable Conversations. I couldn't be The Bachelor. Because I feel like people would judge me. Y'all know what I'm saying?
1: Like, bro, what you mean? Uh, well, of course. Welcome to our world, bro. <laughs> I'm gonna say yes.
2: <laughs> people would judge like, oh, uh, you was just kissing her, and now you kissing her. Like, oh, uh, are you oh. so grimy? I thought you were about uncomfortable conversations, not uncomfortable makeouts.
1: You ain't like, never I, lie. I, you I ain't, ain't got no lie. time
2: for that. So you
1: have, that's the word of the year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm like, man. let
2: me just have my conversations, bella I don't need no dream suites, no home visits. He, he, he called it the dream
0: suite. <laughs> he sweets. called it dream suite. <laughs> all right, bro. Before we let you go, we want to know, we 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 all know that the future is bright for you. What can we expect to see from you in this new year? And where can all of our listeners find you and keep up with everything that you have going on? So you can find me, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube,
2: at Emmanuel E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L, Acho. That's just my name, first and last. What's going on in the new year? I think children are our future. So uncomfortable conversations with a black boy um, will be coming out in the spring. I'm more excited about that than I am uncomfortable conversations with a black man, particularly because uh, the next generation is the generation we have to impact most. Outside of that, B, Mike, I'm a creative. So whatever God leads me to create for the betterment of our world, I'm going to just say yes and see what happens.
0: Amazing, brother. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Brian, bro, how did you feel about that? That was crazy, right?
0: Oh man, I love Ocho, man. He's he's such a great guy. He's so uh, eloquent. His flow. I mean, he's just a great conversationalist. And I knew when we had him booked as a guest, I knew we were gonna have a great time and talk a lot, a lot about uncomfortable subjects. But he makes it feel so easy. Facts. Did you not like, get that?
1: It, no, facts. It's it wasn't uncomfortable. It was real stuff i felt his aura i felt his uh what his message was and what he's trying to do in life so i really love that
0: yeah absolutely and he's super passionate about it as as you heard um but i want to know man what obviously we talked a lot about uncomfortable conversations with a black man but what uncomfortable conversations will you be having in your own life and relationships after the interview with Acho?
1: to me it wasn't what i will have because I, I i i'm not I don't shy away from anything in regards to conversations, but more so it's great to have the Emmanuel Acho almost validating my thoughts as well, because Mm -hmm. he's so eloquent, you know what I mean? Like when he talks about like, for example, the N word and and, and white people using the N word, just simply singing singing along. I remember when I spoke out against something about a friend of mine that's Caucasian that sung a rap song, I lost thousands of followers that day, right? Saying I'm so wrong, I'm being a bully this, that, etc. And for to hear Emmanuel Acho talk about it and like kind of it made me feel validated. It made me feel like, yo, my thoughts were right. I wasn't being disrespectful. I wasn't being a bully. And it, that's how it made me feel. That's how he made me feel, quite honestly.
0: What about Facts, you? Facts, man. I mean, for me, you know, it really hit home when we were talking about relationships with your partners. And obviously I brought up Rachel and how we're in a interracial marriage and we're going to be raising biracial children. And You know, I think the key there is obviously I'm representing the Latin culture. She's representing the black culture. But it's going to take work between the two of us to continue. I mean, I've learned a lot about black culture and she's learned a lot about Latin culture. But now it's going to take us immersing each other even more in each other's culture once we have kids. Yeah, because we want to you know, we want to co-parent the right way. Like I want to be involved at in everything with, with everything that Rachel teaches our kid about black culture and I want her to be involved with everything that we teach our kid about Latin culture so you know he just gave me a, a lot of insight on that and you know it's like a clear path forward uh from that perspective
1: so like with that bro like obviously you know we, we spoke to Acho we had the, the crazy fun rapid fire like we heard what he's going to take away and his advice like what do you want to take into 2021?
0: Ah, uh, well, me and Rachel are big into the one word that you're moving forward with in 2021. Her word is better. Just be better. Right. And for me, my word was growth. I want to grow in every single aspect of my life. I want to grow in my relationship with her. I want obviously want to make it out to L.A. I want to start a family. I want to grow my practice you know not only here in miami but i want to you know transition it to my practice in la um you know just sharpen my mind sharpen my spirituality just grow in every single aspect of my life so my word is growth and that's what i want to take with me into 2021 and beyond i love that man what about you uh
1: mine if we're talking if we're talking one word it's a tattoo that i that i want in the near future uh, for me, when it comes to tattoos, I I feel like I can't get it until I've achieved it, right? Achieve the meaning of it. And so in 21, my word is lifestyle, right? And what I mean by that is the things that I want to achieve, it doesn't take discipline. It takes more than discipline because discipline can be boring, mundane. Discipline, discipline can, we can mess up, right? But if we change it, if we try to go after these goals, but... Let's say you want to, like Acho said, he wants to uh leave bad workouts in 2020, right? If you change it to a lifestyle, right? Like brushing your teeth is not discipline. Brushing your teeth is a lifestyle choice. Yeah. You feel me? And so that's what I want in this year, and quite honestly, this entire
0: decade. Absolutely. I couldn't agree lifestyle. with you more, man. Can we set a goal together? Let's I it's it. it's kind of it's
1: kind of my goal, but I mean, you are Doctor Abs, so I'm gonna put you on a go as oh, well. Oh snap! I already, we got, I already know where we're going with this. We got we got the brand new podcast. I've never done this before, right? But this is the year of lifestyle, right? I'm 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 setting a precedence with this. I have asthma, but in 21, I want to run a marathon. A
0: marathon.
1: I want to run a marathon. And are we, you sure
0: what you're you know what you're getting
1: into, bro? 26.2, <laughs> bro. And I want I want us to like that's going to be like the. The hoorah to our our one year anniversary. Of Wait, our time
0: out. You want me to run the marathon too? You damn right. Oh hell no. <laughs> Man, I was struggling with a five k like a year ago, bro. Come on now, <laughs> baby.
1: Hey, like you just said, it's little, it's Legos, building blocks. Do two miles.
0: We better get started. We better get started now, then, because Let's I it. ain't ready. It's I ain't ready if we're we're talking about it right now.
1: No, that's going to be our, our one year anniversary for our podcast, like our first year podcast. That's way we're going to do it. And you know, that we
0: on air. So when you say it, I'm going to keep you to it. Uh, that's why I'm, I'm actually debating whether to agree our, with our you or not. Our
1: listeners are going to keep you to it. Let's go. Let me hear it. Let me hear
0: it. Man, I'd rather like jump out of an airplane. Like I'd rather do something, up, something hold up, hold up, hold up. crazy, something hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up.
1: adventurous. No? Is a marathon not crazy?
0: <laughs> yeah. But so, so is jumping out of an airplane, you know. But it's quick. It's quick. You know what I mean? It's quick. There's no cardiovascular effort too much expended right there. I don't know. We'll see. Let's talk about it. We Ah, we could keep discussing this as as we go on with the podcast.
1: (laughs) Fair enough, man. Fair enough.
0: Before we wrap this up today, I want to talk about a big rumor that it seemed like everyone was talking about at one point. And I know this is something that has been on the brains of a lot of our listeners and Bastard Nation out there. So since we're here, we might as well talk about it. Following Hannah Brown's season, there was a call to action from fans for you to be the first Black Bachelor of the franchise. As we know, that didn't happen. But I know you've been bombarded with questions about how you feel about Matt James as The Bachelor. So I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about this once and for all so everyone can finally move on. Talk to us, man.
1: (laughs) First and foremost,
0: I'm just thankful, quite honestly,
1: homie. I'm just thankful that people even, you know wanted me to be the bachelor. I went on TV just to find love. I genuinely didn't even know. I'd really, this is how niche I was. I didn't even know there was a position that one gets, you know, if the producers or whoever makes the decision likes you to where you have your own show. Genuinely didn't know that. Right. Uh, so I just got to say thank you to everybody for that. But then when I found out about it, I was like, hell yeah, I want to be the bachelor. <laughs> you feel me? I was of like, course. this, I, I want love, right? Like I went on this show yeah. to find love. I didn't, I didn't ascertain it, so therefore I still want it. Uh, and, I mean, I now feel at peace. I like I know that no human being, no individual can take my black boy joy, right? Nobody mm-hmm. can take my black boy joy away from me. Straight up. Like, I feel the honor, I truly do feel the honor of being wanted as a bachelor. The significance of it, I understand the significance of being the bachelor. Uh, being chanted by not only your peers within Bachelor Nation, but then also, like, our fan base. That's, like, the coolest thing ever to me. Uh, and to be 100 with you and, and on our podcast talking it out, I felt insignificant. I'm not going to lie about it. I truly did feel insignificant. I felt as if my character and my physical appearance were on trial. Uh, I felt that there had to be a reason that people, I truly feel are great, got the highest honor within Bachelor Nation, over myself. And I'll say it again. I feel that Peter and I feel that Matt are great individuals, but for them to get it over me when the fans wanted me, there had to be a reason that I was not chosen as The Bachelor. It is what it is, right? Uh I, I do think though, and I ain't gonna front about it. Like I don't live with my mom or my dad. I would have been the first veteran. Uh, I have a truly compelling story. I have experience within love. And so I was like, why not me? Like, <laughs> right? Like, why not yeah. me? But one hundred, and it, like to kind of wrap it up. I mean, and what we just talked about when it comes to self love, I I found strength beyond my flaws that certain people feel that I do have. Um, life isn't about you know why someone didn't choose you at the end of the day. It really ain't. We we're just talking about relationships and rejection. Life isn't about oh this person didn't choose me, that person didn't choose me. But it's rather about our mentality and how we move maneuver afterwards. You feel me? Like, yep. It's a decision that was outside of my control. It's the serenity prayer. You know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. It's truly that simple. And, I mean, do we allow the thoughts of others to consume us? I would hope not. Should we allow it to eat away at our self-love? I would hope not. Um, or do we rise like a rose that grew from the concrete? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's out of my control at the end of the day. But... Mm. All in all, I'm Mike Johnson. I love myself, and I know I'm a great human being. Peter Weber's a great human being. Matt James is a great human being, and I'm just thankful for the opportunity to even be on the Bachelor franchise to find love and to have
0: a sounding board on talking it out. One hundred, man. I, I mean, beautifully said. Uh, just to let you know, man, from my from me as your friend, like there's nothing insignificant about you. Okay. And, you know, you definitely had my vote. I know Rachel was was uh, cheerleading hard for you. And uh, I definitely think you should have been the bachelor. And I think that you brought up such a great lesson there where you were talking about what you can and cannot control. And, you know, just for everybody out there, like if you do focus on what you can you can't control, I mean, you're basically going to be left frustrated, overwhelmed and depressed in life in general. If you focus on what you can control, you know, basically your focus is equals power. So you basically took that essentially quote unquote rejection, like we talked about earlier, and you're channeling all that energy and focus instead to doing bigger things. I mean, you're a damn author, for crying out loud.
1: Hey, best-selling author, independent, get it
0: right. You. Oh, my bad, my bad. <laughs> best-selling author, ladies and gentlemen. So, you know, I, I just wanna let you know, man, I am so proud of you and uh, just keep doing your thing and just stay focused on the prize and of just improving yourself because I feel like you're gonna just bring so many people so much joy just by doing that. So, facts. kudos to you. Facts, facts.
1: I mean, how could I write a book talking about that and then not practice what I preach? Straight up, quite, quite honestly.
0: Yep. Yep. All right, Mike, thank you so much for being so open and honest about the subject. I know you've been berated a lot uh, by everybody on the topic. So I appreciate you, you know, giving us your truth. So thank you. For sure. Thank you. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. 2020 was a year that we can never forget, and it certainly changed all of our lives. But I, for one, am super excited about what's in store for 2021. We have to give a big thank you to Emmanuel Acho for joining us here today and talking it out.
1: Definitely so, definitely. Acho, when I see you in the streets, man, I'm gonna call you Acho, not Manny. You know, we all love to hear your opinions, your stories, and your insights. So please don't forget to like, comment, follow, message us on social at Talking It Out BN. That's Talking It Out B as in Ambassador, N as a Nation. Talking It Out BN on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. And quite honestly, baby, don't DM me no more, because if you're a real one, you're going to subscribe.